building a contemplative reflective space and designing an interactive experience for a non-denominational megachurch. The path to the pulpit starts with cleaning windowsills in the children's ministries. If you're new at this, the rule is, if it's related to teaching, say yes. What snacks are best to get the creative juices flowing? Facilitating an encounter with God on Sunday is awesome, but Saturdays are the hardest. And sometimes working at a megachurch is like being the fly on the grill of an 18-wheeler. In this episode of The Teaching Pastor, we sit down with Inez Franklin, chapel pastor at Mariner's Church in Irvine, California. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Teaching Pastor podcast. I was a little out of breath coming up the stairs because I couldn't find the elevator because we're on the third floor of the life. Is this the life development building? That's right. That's right. And I am here in the offices of Mariner's Church with Inez Franklin. How so are good. you, Inez? Awesome. Good to be here. Yeah, Thank you. it's we were just talking about pastor versus sound guy and how you have. Well, first of all, Inez is the pastor of the chapel. Right. Is that your official ch- title here yes, at Mariner's? Chapel pastor. Yes. Chapel pastor. Yeah. And that's kind of a cool thing because. Mariners is a fairly large church, but a few years ago, they built a venue that is essentially a chapel size venue. And you essentially oversee that venue, that that worship space. Mm -hmm. Um, What goes into overseeing that venue? Well, let me first tell you the history of why they built it. Because of all our other spaces are so large, they they didn't have a space for weddings and memorials and these key moments in people's lives. Mm. So they, the pastor realized we need a space that is more intimate for those experiences. And so this idea of building a chapel was born. Mm-hmm. And it's designed, if you look at it from above, from a map or anything, it's designed to be really separated from the worship center. It has a lake that actually separates it, physically separates it. So it has this sense of being its own space for its own purposes. Later, they decided, well, it's sitting there on Sundays. We can't do weddings while the worship center is doing services. What if we had services there that had a different feel to them? And so that's what they did. And originally, they started with services that were actually videoed from the worship center. And that was like a overflow, overflow kind of space. And but people like the idea of sitting in a space like that, even though they were listening to the exact same message. Well, that only lasted a few Sundays. Okay, It, it didn't work. So then they started bringing in worship leaders to do the music and then the video teaching. That was a little bit better, uh-huh. but that didn't last long either. And then they started using the space for uh, teachers to learn, those who felt called to teach, uh-huh. as a more of a developmental space. Okay. And that's how I came into it okay. six years ago. And is it so it, it is essentially a different worship experience mm-hmm. than like the large 5,000 people in a room this is what, like a couple hundred? Right. It seats about 300 people. Okay. And it's this idea of the same church, but a different experience. Right. Because, you know, we believe that there are times when the soul yearns for a chapel. Yes. Something about a space like that, that sets our heart in a different posture. Hmm. And not only the architecture of the space by itself, the feeling of you're walking into a church, you know it the minute you walk into it. Right. But also the way it's designed uh, it has a really beautiful reflective invitation immediately. Um, and so people yearn for that. And having then that as the background, we created additional experiences to make that a distinctive experience for people. So a little bit more contemplative, a little bit more... More reflective, more it's interactive. So that's a kind of a oxymoron, okay. right? You have right. a reflective space that's very interactive. And the way that they did that is they visited churches uh, all over and found little things that they liked in these different churches. And that's how we ended up with a prayer wall where people can write their prayers and put them on the wall. We have a cross that's a confessional wall where you write down your confessions and you put them on the cross. And, and that actually came a little bit from our Friday, uh, Good Friday services in the worship center where we do write the confessions and nail them. Right. And so that we incorporated in the chapel. And then we have communion every single Sunday. That's not the case in the worship center. And then something very traditional, lighting of candles, which you see in only certain denominations. And so here it was bringing that into a a Protestant space, uh, bringing with it the true meaning of of that. You know, this idea of uh, lighting a candle as hope or remembering that Jesus is the light of the world and we are now the light. 
So it has all these interactive experiences. Yeah. And the service is designed with time at the end of the message for people to walk around the room and physically engage with these stations and have a dialogue with the Lord about them. Well, what a great um, alternative yes. to something that might be a little bit more high-powered, fast-paced, um, laugh-a-minute kind of a thing. Not to say that you wouldn't be, you wouldn't I'm get funny. a laugh. Yeah. I know you're, <laughs> I wouldn't say you're funny, but, no, but you, can, you know how to get a laugh as well, just yes. with the best of them, right? This. <laughs> but it is, it's funny because when I was pastoring at Voyagers, there was a couple that came over from Mariners, and he had come from a Roman Catholic background. And um, he said, well, our first Sunday, we sat out and watched the, the service. This was before the chapel was built. We watched the service by the cafe, yes. and I watched it on the screen. And as I was watching, someone was eating nachos next to me. Yes. <laughs> and I think if the chapel had been built, he said it was just a little too much going from a Roman Catholic context to having nachos at the worship service. That's true. That's true. Uh, but I think if the, if the chapel had been in full effect, that probably that would have been a really nice venue to transition from a more Roman Catholic liturgical environment yeah. into a more Protestant reflective environment. It sounds like you kind of have hit your stride there in a more contemplative Protestant venue and tradition. Yes. What was, was there something, had that, had you always had that gear or do you feel like you found that in your Christian life? What do you mean by gear? Well, I don't, you know, not everybody resonates kind of with a more liturgical, oh, responsive. Oh, okay. Yes. So I grew up in the Catholic church, okay. but I was a terrible Catholic. In fact, if I said I was a Catholic, they probably would have had a fit. Uh, so I was not good, but I, at least I had been in those spaces. Okay. And I, I understood kind of what those feel like. Uh, the gentleman that was pastoring the space before I became the pastor, with whom I taught for several years, he came from a liturgical background where he was far more in tune with it. Right. So I think he helped me kind of have a better picture of a liturgical okay. world in addition to my own experience. And so then jumping from that experience, I put a lot of time and thought about how to bring the two together. Yeah and how to create a bridge for people. So yes, we have a lot of visitors who come from the Catholic Church, from uh, Presbyterian, from all kinds of different traditions yeah. that have a more traditional, liturgical, high church feel. And that becomes a really attractive place to start at Mariners, because you get really the best of both worlds. Yeah. You have this beautiful place of effective experience. It has liturgy, we intentionally inc include liturgy, so it's not very foreign, right? Um, and yet it's contemporary because we do we don't we sing hymns, but they're modernized hymns, mm -hmm. and it's not just hymns. We sing all the modern songs as well. So the music is a little more contemporary, but right. simpler, fewer instruments, and they have access to all the things that this big church puts together. So right. they have the children's ministries and and all the different the life groups and rooted, and they have access to all of that but they have a small community space and experience. So with that, with that, with that feeling of being grounded in, in a deeper tradition yes. than like, you know, nachos in the worship team. Correct. Right. Right. So yeah, it's that's, it sounds awesome. like a fantastic place, not only to worship and reflect, but it also sounds like a really interesting place to kind of cut your teeth as a teacher. Oh yes. It's actually harder. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people think that was a really good place to develop people, but right. man, it's hard. Yeah, how so? How, what well, were some of the challenges, or what are some of the challenges there? First of all, we were doing something new, right? When you're doing something, and language for it has evolved over the years. Okay. What are we doing here? Why is this something we're doing? Right. So, you know, you put a pastor in a space, and you're not telling them why, why this space matters or what exactly does it represent. That's hard in itself. Right. But the other part that's hard is that it's a lit room. Right. There are no there's no darkness in that room. You see everybody in the room. OK, it's a small amount of people. You can feel their reaction or feel when they're not reacting. Very so there's quickly. it's not you don't control the lighting. It's all natural lighting. All natural. Well, it's there like, is lighting, but only to to add. It's not going to necessarily change the mood of the room whatsoever. Right. You can see the sky. You are you are very vulnerable. So a brand new teacher that is learning you feel very vulnerable okay and people are that close to you you're not you're not distance you don't have a there is a green room but you literally have to walk through people to get to that green room okay. so it's vulnerable yeah you learn fast 
<laughs> you learn faster. You're out. It is true. You know, it's funny because I will, um, one of my, one of the interesting connections that I've found, I watch um, comedians in cars getting coffee and um, Jerry Seinfeld and mm. he'll talk with these comedians and they just talk about how freakish it is when people stand up in front of other people and people listen to them, like how weird that is. Oh, I agree with but that. But also how vulnerable it is. Yes. It is, um, you know, if you're not getting traction, and I would imagine in a lit room, if you're not getting traction, you can see you're not getting traction. That's correct. And um, you can tell if someone's <laughs> falling asleep on you. Right. They have their eyes closed. If they're looking down, you can see everything. Yeah. There is and you're nothing like, hey, hidden. These are the this is these are the these are the notes right here. That's right. <laughs> you just uh, you don't get be. to rewrite your sermon right there. Right. Yes, you have to yes. figure it out. Well, the other thing yeah. is the space is designed um, that the stage is up and back. Okay. So that took me some time as a new teacher. So a lot of teachers at the beginning were teaching from the floor, right, right there with everyone, which has a wonderful intimacy to it. Right. But if you're five foot six or below, I'm five foot six. The people in the back can't see you, and you're watching them bob their heads the whole okay. time. Nobody likes that. Right. But if you stand up on the stage, you're far back. Huh. That's hard. Right. You stand on the steps, which I tried. You run the risk of breaking your neck of, in the middle of, of your sermon. Right. <laughs> and so people are nervous that you're going to fall. Right. So there's so many little things to think about as far as... So we created a platform. We okay. now built a platform where we're a little bit lower and forward. Yeah. And that creates um, intimacy while at the same time safety, obviously. Yeah. Just, just functionality-wise, is there a pulpit there? Do you go off a table? Like, what do you put notes on? I, I finally got an actual pulpit. Okay. We, we were using music stands for a long right. time, which, you know, those lower on you at the wrong timing. Right. <laughs> and they don't have the same in this beautiful... It's they don't so match. Funny, in a beautiful setting, and you have this, like... Fifteen dollar yes. wrought iron. Is that what music they cost? Stand. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know how much they cost. But yes. no, I, I purchased. Like yeah, I, I just recently. Uh, we just got one of those nice glass ones okay. because I didn't want something that, you know, some wood thing. I, I don't want to feel like I'm behind a box of a pulpit. Mm -hmm. I would be the one that would lean on it and put my right. hands on it. So I need something that forces me not to use mm -hmm. it as a holding. Right. Um, and so that's that one's working pretty good. Okay. Yeah. That, I I'm fascinated by the just the the practicality. It's true. The little thing. Space. It's a, yeah. and to be in a in a community like this and to have a hand in forming this new space that must have been pretty exciting. It is. Yeah. It is. It, it you know it feels a little bit like, like being the fly in the front of a sixteen wheeler. You know. <laughs> <laughs> is that fair? On the grill. On the grill, getting all the wind. And part of that is very freeing, and part of it is horrifying because you're going to be the first one to get hit, you know. <laughs> if you haven't already collided with the... I suppose Mariners as a whole is the 18-wheeler. Yes. Right, yes, yes. and you are the I'm fly. I'm just the fly. I'm just the fly. That is, that is good stuff. Oh, my so, gosh. So, yes, it's been exciting and terrifying at the same time to build a... Um, a vision for the space, right. you know, really not build a new vision, but try to give words to the vision that was created long ago. Right. So I, the heart that was that started this space is what I wanted to capture, yeah. and then be able to put it into words so that the worship leader, uh, all of our worship team, all of our volunteers, our elders that work in that space, everyone understood why why do we do things in the space the way that we do yeah. and anyone who teaches when i'm not there i also articulate the vision of that space so okay. they they set their hearts and i found the minute we did that not only did it unite us but it also created a consistency of the experience okay so that people are not feeling like hey this is changing all the time what does it really stand for yeah, yeah. well i love the experience let's talk a little bit more about the about the process of you as the pastor of this space and this con this kind of congregation within a congregation, how you get from passage to message and how that works with the team concept here at Mariners. And I understand that there's a, there's a pastoral transition going on here at Mariners right. and it might not look the same, but how has it been for you working with the team and um, are you preaching your own messages yes. or are you... Um, or are you on the series that the main service is on as well? So we have two other experiences other than the worship center. So chapel services, which happen on Sunday, exact same time as the worship center. And we have Sunday night services uh, for a younger crowd that happen Sunday evenings. Both the chapel and the Sunday night services, um, we kind of are in the same place in that we follow the series Okay. So we all have the same series. We might be saying Ephesians. We're all in Ephesians. 
But we Is write, that where you guys are right now? No, uh, we are currently in a wisdom series. Okay. So for example, right now we're in a wisdom series and there are two types of series that we do here at Mariners, at least up to now. We'll see how the new senior pastor will lead us. But up to now, the way we've done it is we have, this one is a, a blanket series, wisdom. And then each location, each space, kind of creates their own journey for that. Okay. So I, I have, that's all I have, wisdom. Wisdom. Beyond that. And the amount of weeks it's going and to be. And it's four weeks, correct. Four weeks on wisdom. And go write the messages. Okay. And so I usually, if I know it's four weeks, I create a journey for for my congregation. It's like, where am I taking them? I don't want to just popcorn a bunch of messages that don't make sense right. together. And so does the other pastor at the Sunday night. Okay. Then there's series where we're a little bit more connected. And so there might be where we just did Ephesians, for example. So we were on the book of Ephesians and we st- we stayed with each other, meaning the worship center and the other spaces, um, on the same, say, passages, same chapter, perhaps. Now, you know how it is. You can take one verse and highlight one right. thing while someone else highlights something else. Right. So it still feels like a different experience to people. And um, I can't tell you how many people at the chapel go to the worship center Sunday night and come to the chapel Sunday morning. Uh-huh. Or go to one service at 9 and go to the other at 11. And they, they express how much they love hearing the same passage taught differently by each of okay. us. Okay, yeah. And, and it's, they, you know, they're not bothered by that. They love the experience of getting more wisdom along the way. So the team, do you meet with the teaching team? Is there a teaching team meeting weekly? Yes. So okay. on Wednesdays, the teaching team meets. And usually what happens is the senior pastor, Kenton sure at the time, and, until he's, he moves out, he comes in and he brings what the message that he's going to give. Okay. So he essentially gives us his message, puts it out there, and we have a great discussion about it. And if we're on the same passage, you get good stuff that you might choose to use or not use okay. or a perspective, right? Or you at least are thinking about the passage, which is really helpful. If you're not on the same passage, all you're doing in those meetings is just being with other teachers and learning how someone puts together their sermon. Right. So which it, is very valuable. I would it's imagine. It's very valuable. Even the camaraderie yes. of, yeah. oh, we're, we all are coming up with our own stuff this week. Like, how's that going? That might be a nice place to get some some fellowship, some uh, someone who can co-commiserate. Correct. And yeah. you can always say, hey, I'm, I'm not preaching on that. I'm preaching on this. And if you have a question, something that's burning in your heart that you want to get the opinions of the people in the room, right. you have that opportunity. How many well. folks are in the room at the teaching team meetings? It depends. I would say, um, I never count, but 10, 10 to 15, <laughs> somewhere in there. You don't take attendance? I don't take attendance. And it's not just teachers. There's future teachers, right. people who feel called to teach, right. those who are writing uh, small group questions are in the room. Uh, some of the pastors join the meetings. So, of course, our experience team joins the meeting. Those are might be the worship leaders, uh, the storytellers. There's a variety of people that are involved with a Sunday service, and okay. they might be in the room as well. Okay. And do they have a separate meeting then, I would imagine? After that? After that. I suppose. Okay. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in that team. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay. Although your offices are among oh, the yes, I am. Team. I apologize. Yes, I yeah. am with the experience team. Correct. Okay. Yes. Right, right. Okay, so you, when you are preaching on the same passage— um, it's not that you're, you're not given kind of a path forward that you need to necessarily follow. No. You can create a new path, essentially. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And so when you are in a meeting like that and you know you're going to be, how many weeks were you in Ephesians? Eight or okay. nine. We were okay. a long time. Yeah. So you're in Ephesians and um, was there anything in the Ephesians series that stood out to you like a message that you're like, oh, that was, that one was good. Mm. So, I know that you and I were both we both we were joking at the beginning that we're both ones on the Enneagram and so to ask the question which one was really good you're like they all suck yes, <laughs> yes. I'm always asking God is this the day you're gonna you're, let me go but you're better than that you're better than oh. that so um what um was there any one thing or one passage or one sermon that was particularly memorable for you in that Man, you know, this is my challenge. I'm so already on my next sermon. It's back there behind me. But I'll tell you, generally speaking, what I did love about teaching Ephesians, which was to the beauty of embracing identity. Those Mm. first three chapters, all about who we are in Christ. So I would say, you know, that place where Paul talks about one body, 
one faith, one baptism. That one is like, because our church verse mm -hmm. is within Ephesians 3 this okay. year. So I think I would say Ephesians 3, that, that whole concept of us being one and being united one Lord, one and, faith, and recognizing the church is led by Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. And in a time where our church is in transition mm. and where our senior pastor is looking to retire here real soon, uh, it's remembering that our Lord is really our church leader yeah. and that we, we can't lose hope. We can't get flustered by the change. We can endure the season of transition and be okay. Yeah. And we have a purpose. And that was the other side of Ephesians, right? This idea of what is our purpose, right. being that that's our identity. We have a job to do. I mean, we need to be focused. And so I love that we did Ephesians right here in this season of uh, for us here at Mariner's Church. Right. So you got... You knew you were going to be doing Ephesians. Mm -hmm. Where do you do your best work of figuring out how you're going to get from passage to message? Like, where are you doing that work? That work. Well, I have a brain that can, um, I think about my sermons all the time. Okay. I could be having a conversation with you, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about a sermon. So it's kind of a strange thing. Uh, but really where I do my work is in front of my computer at home. I have an office at home, okay. and that's where my library is, where my books are, and uh, where all my snacks are. <laughs> yeah, what is your snack of choice? I have all kinds of What's snacks. Your, this is, what, oh, this is why I started this podcast, was I just wanted to know what the best snacks are for the, for the people yeah. who need a good plantain snack. plantain chips. Plantain, plantain chips. chips. Like Trader Joe's plantain Trader chips? Trader Joe's, yes. Or do, you, or do yes. you go to the farmer's market here on no. Saturdays? No. Do they sell them? Oh, yeah. I might check those out oh, then. Oh, yeah. Come on. Okay, no. You I just, work here. I'm not looking. I'm going. I'm not, I, <laughs> I missed something. Okay, I'm going to go. Saturday mornings, but, farmer's sa market. Oh, thank you for telling me. Yeah, very very good dried fruit if <laughs> so you're interested. Good. No, yeah, no. No dried fruit. That's chewy. Okay. I, I like the crispy, salty stuff. Okay. And so I have plantain chips on one drawer. I have gluten-free crackers in another drawer. I have... I have, um, if I need sugar, and because I do like candy, and I, but I eat candy, it's really good for about an hour, and I need another bunch of hours to write my sermon. <laughs> so, so I try to have dates. Okay. Dates are in another drawer. Yeah. I, I, you know, it depends on how well, I'm feeling. Well, what kind of candy? Because everything else sounds very healthy, Inez. We need, we need something. Spree candy. Okay. But yeah, I, I'll have gummies of any kind. Those are the best. <laughs> I love Sour it. Patch. By the time I'm done writing my sermon, my tongue is stuck to the top oh roof of my mouth. Do you lick on a jawbreaker or something like that? And no, that no. would be messy. But that I, would be a little but messy. But I would so do a lollipop. Okay. okay. Totally do a lollipop. Okay. I could be typing. And yeah. So that's so you, <laughs> sugaring it up. Now, do you, are there any are there uh, drinks, beverages, coffee, tea? Like, what are you doing this in the morning, or are you doing this pretty much all day long? Yeah, I do it all day long. Yeah. And so I try to stick to water. Okay. I've tried everything else, and that's not a good idea. Because, again, coffee, tea, you know, once you start, you got, you know, an hour or two later, you're coming downhill, and okay. you've got to hit it up again, and you end up with a... You're pacing yourself. You end up, yes, you end up with a, a sore in your stomach, <laughs> you know, <laughs> ulcer. Also, you don't, An ulcer, yeah, I don't yeah. want that. Or a headache from the caffeine. Okay. But I've learned to just have water, and okay. I do. I usually have several bottles of water okay. right there, and I'm drinking water away. Yeah. And if I really need a jolt... A root beer. Okay. For sure. This is good. Good See, root I beer. Love I love root beer this. in a bottle. This is in a bottle. In a bottle. In a bottle. Yeah, don't none of that can stuff. Don't give her a can or a no. two liter. Give her a glass bottle. I eat of root so beer. much when I'm doing my sermons. <laughs> Serious munchies. Serious munchies. I well, eat my feelings away. <laughs> that's so good. What are you using to look at the text of scripture when you're looking at like an Ephesians or something like that? So I use Logos okay. software mm -hmm. and I got a massive library. That's really, okay. I don't spend money on a lot of things. Just coloring my hair and my logos library. <laughs> That's it. That's it. My husband will tell you. So that is the best. I, the two investments that I need to make. Yes. If you're a pastor, my hair has to look some, good. Put some money aside to get good get color rid of the gray. for your hair. Yes. And buy some logos. Yes. Uh, resources. Modules yes. Resources. All kinds of resources. I have my priorities straight. You noticed the hair was first. It looks great. It, it looks fantastic. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I use logos, and okay. I, I, I really have splurged and bought everything okay. I could. Yeah. And so uh, I, it's wonderful because I have all kinds of sermons in there. Right. I have the whole Tim Keller sermon. I have Spurgeon sermons. I have Luther writings. I have so much stuff. All yeah. the old books. Plus, I have all a bunch of commentaries. Right. 
uh, critical commentaries, ex exegetical commentaries, yeah. you name it. It's all in there. Yeah, I use Accordance, and I have I've I've invested in a lot of like primary texts, so yes, um, but not as many of the commentaries. And okay. I do get a sense that if I really did want to spend some money, I could cut my library, my paper library, down quite a bit. Yes, that's right. Do you right. still have a pretty sizable paper library? I do. I ran out of space. <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, wait, that is my third problem, isn't uh, it? That's <laughs> my the, third expenditure. So, okay, okay. hair coloring, oh, my husband logos, would be going, what about Amazon? <laughs> at Amazon, all right. Amazon now we, and the books. I think if we just keep going, Confession we'll probably moment. find some other, um, some other connections. Maybe. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> may never be connected to my preaching. <laughs> that's good. Yes. So you're looking at the text Logos. Yes. Um, is there, are you looking at multiple translations? Or? Oh, yes. Okay. I look at different translations. I look up words. I'm a total geek about that. Yeah. I love it. What translations are you using? When you're well, we, I teach from the NIV. Okay. I would love to teach from the ESV, frankly. Is, is the NIV kind of the translation of choice here at Mariners? Or yeah, sort of. I, I More the NLT, New Living okay, Translation. New Living. Right. I, I'm not a particular fan of okay. that for me for teaching. We'll I, keep that quiet because I, I won't the, tell anybody. The Mariners this, police might come. No, no, they know. They know. They know. I'm so opinionated. They know. But <laughs> uh, but for teaching is not my thing. Okay. But, but I do sometimes use it because it words things in a beautiful way right. and, and it just becomes more accessible right I, it's just if i'm going to pick on a word that may not be the translation i use and frankly i don't even use the niv for that either because i usually go to the original languages and get behind the yeah. scenes and kind of pull it back good yes. so you're you're use niv you like the esv, ESV as well mm -hmm. the new living at times is there yes. any other translations that you're well that once you're in a while at? i read the message yeah you know, just again, because for beauty and the language, right. the beautiful language. And it's a little bit of a shortcut to a commentary because it's... Ah, in a way, it has its own paraphrase gives, yeah, to it. That's it true. It gives its, its interpretive... Yeah, never um, thought of thing. it that way. Yeah. I usually look at it fa last. In other yeah. words, I study first. I start with the NIV right. for study um, and then go, go into the others last. It, yeah. It's more like how, if I'm trying to make a point, which one kind of does it better yeah. and how it's so. and original languages so logos is probably loaded so with your greek software your hebrew, hebrew mm -hmm. masoretic text and yes. of course you are a fuller grad are That's you right. not yes. right yes and what degree did you do at fuller um, at mdiv and mdiv so yes. you are you're loaded i'm to trained bear. i'm trained you are trained yes. and re and dangerous yeah. well no well, i don't no. know about that <laughs> well well, well unless taught. you're talking about the expenditures well. but yes <laughs> <laughs> well, anytime someone teaches the word well, Thank you. there is a there is a courage and a danger that comes yes, with it for true. sure, and um, yeah, it's uh, that's that's awesome. So, um, and you're how how did you when you came out of Fuller? How did you feel about your language skills? Oh man, I remember studying Hebrew words in a parking lot, thinking, "Have I lost my mind?" I know. I'm watching kids play and I'm learning Hebrew words and I thought, what am I doing? I'll never use this. But man, do I use it. I use it a lot and I love it. Yeah. I love what I learn when I go back. Now, I don't always teach those things that I learn. Right. It helps me understand the sermon or what I'm going to say. And then sometimes I will talk about the word because yeah. I feel like it's important. Um, but I am so thrilled I learned those languages. That's fantastic. Very, very important. And that is the, I mean, that's the thing about the cutting room floor. You have to, you're not going to put everything in. Right. And of course, the the venue, the, the more contemplative the venue, is not necessarily going to want to hear all the nitty gritty geeking out. Well, they have a geek though. I am a geek. Yeah. And I tell them I'm a geek and they love it. That's good. So, yeah, I, but, I, but I'm not that kind of, I don't get so m meaty. Well, at least I'm trying not to because I am at heart, I am so geeky. It's very hard to edit down some of this stuff. So it still comes through, That's good. especially when I started. My first sermon was so bad. Oh, my goodness, it was so bad. It was on the resurrection. And I listened back to it thinking that was just the geekiest sermon I've ever heard. So I'm, I'm learning. I'm evolving to be more in line with the space and yeah. what people expect to experience there. Right. Do you, um, do you listen to old sermons? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Do you, how's, like that, said, for your, how's that for your soul? Do you, yeah. <laughs> are you, I mean, because so the, the inner critic and whatnot, um, you can hear all the kind of idiosyncrasies. My and, own sermons. Now I see where you're going. Yes, I do. Okay. I, I didn't used to. They're all recorded, mm -hmm. and 
a pastor told me, actually, I have a pastor in Peru who's very involved with my journey as a pastor. And I, I spoke at his church a few years back, and he videotaped it. I never watched myself on video. And he said, I'm going to send you the video. I went, please don't. I never want to see myself. It's bad enough to have to listen to myself. And he really challenged me. He said, wait a minute. As a communicator, it's your responsibility to develop and grow. You must listen and you must watch. It's just essential for the work that you're doing. Don't you want to be better at it? Yes. Well, this is what you have to do. Yeah. And so, oh, so I listened to him. Yeah. And so I try. And sometimes I only can get through five or ten minutes in a sermon. And I just have to turn it off right. and come back to it when my heart gets. Because I'm, I'm a perfectionist. And I, I immediately find everything I do wrong. Flaw. And I, I have lots of flaws. I'm constantly finding, oh, you, why did you say it that way? Or that was the wrong tone. Or that, no, don't say You could have said this. So I, I really struggle with just listening and affirming someone gave me good a tip she said um keep if you're struggling and hearing negative keep listening until you hear a positive thing until you hear something you can affirm in yourself sometimes i can't do it but i like that challenge and i do try to stick through it now i have a coach who's working with me and she's currently listening to my messages and sending me uh, notes and if she feels this is one you need to go back and listen to I listen to her. Okay. She'll say, oh, no, this one, I need you to go listen to it again, and then let's talk through it. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Where, how did you get connected with a, with a coach? So she w worked here at Mariner's Church and was very involved with the experiences on Sundays. She was the person who called me into teaching. I, I never saw, I didn't think I was going to be doing this at all. And she's been coaching me pretty much the whole time I've been teaching okay. for six years, and now very formally because I really love her. The way that she debriefs what I do, and uh, she's really good at telling me what I'm not doing well in a, in a way that I can receive it and actually apply. Okay. You can get negative feedback or, right. or good constructive feedback, but it's given to you in such a way that you don't even know how to go fix it. Right. She gives it to me in a way I know how to fix it. Yeah. yeah. It seems like there are stages along the way as a teaching pastor. Probably first is just how do I stand up in front of people and talk? And then there's the, what do I put into my sermon? Right. Um, but it seems like you're at a stage where you've got your prep down, you know how to edit. Yes. And now you're thinking about, well, I want people to listen to me. Yeah. If, the, if the goal is to have people hear the word of God and to hear the, the teaching, then I have to do work to make it hearable. Yes. And it sounds like you're kind of in a stage now where fine-tuning that where you're fine-tuning that how has that that kind of journey been for you like what were the, what were the concerns at the beginning mm -hmm. and you've been doing this for six years six you say years. yeah mm -hmm. what were more of the concerns at the beginning and now and in the middle and now how has that shifted over the years obviously at the beginning was my content mm -hmm. i mean I didn't care how I delivered it. I was just happy that I wrote something that was decent enough to share with people and figured right. if, I, if I'm bad at it, at least the content will be good. Yeah. So I worked very hard on getting the content right. And of course, when you listen to those messages, my delivery is not so good <laughs> at all. I mean, the content is questionable too. I had to work on it. But that. your hair was fantastic. Oh, come on. <laughs> yes. Not a single gray hair, <laughs> unless it was close to go time to go back. <laughs> Yes, vanity is real for pastors oh. too. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I that ha, that was a journey yeah. to go from uh, now. Believe me, content is still my number one. Yeah. But now I really put a lot of energy towards delivery as well, mm -hmm. and also creating an experience, not just like communicating well, but taking people on a journey as mm -hmm. I as I teach. Um, you know, it could be a, a high low moment. It could be a, a finding a place in the sermon where there is this the special moment that becomes highly memorable mm. for people so that it's an anchor in their mind. Anytime they think of that moment, they remember the sermon. Mm. Now, I wish I could remember my own sermons as good as I want them to remember them. But, you know, it's, that's the idea. I'm working on that now. Yeah, um, how does that, how, how the idea in your prep, yes. and you're thinking about taking people on a journey, yes. how does that affect your, your preparation? Like, how do you get there? So I, I again, I start with the content. I have the passage or the story, I start with the content, I study it, I, I write a gazillion pages of notes, and, and now I know what the passage is all about, or what the, what's, what's the message I wanna give, and I write an outline out of that. 
then I, I think, how am I going to communicate that? So I think of my communication, my illustrations, um, like how am I going to explain that? What words am I going to use to explain it? The last thing I do is go, where is my significant moment in the sermon? Okay. So after I've done that, I find, did it come up naturally in my process of writing the sermon or coming up with illustrations? Or no, it's lacking. I need to find a place in the sermon where I create something that's very memorable for people. So uh, an example of that, um, when Paul talks about in Ephesians about the mystery, that revealing the mystery, right? Um, I wanted... I wanted people to embrace this concept of mystery because we so want to box God into a easy to understand, you know, and control, <laughs> right, God? I wanted us to embrace this incredible mystery of, of God's grace and what God has done. And so the moment I, I created was I have a picture at home of Ephesians 3, and I put the, the picture on stage. It's a beautiful painting, and I covered it in black, so I made it into a mystery. So while I'm preaching, people are wondering, why is this thing there and it's covered in this black cloth? So that's a mo there was a moment of unveiling the picture okay. and this idea of God's mystery is unveiled by God himself. It's he who unveils this mystery to us. We're not in control of trying to make that mystery. We try to be in control of the mystery and reveal it to ourselves. We can't do that. God is the one who reveals that. I was in control as to when that picture was going to be revealed. So that's creating a moment. People remember that picture. Right. Another time I talked about us being um, the vessels, and I had an artist come in and do pottery on stage. Okay. So she was throwing pottery uh, during worship. Huh. And uh, so this idea of being molded by God yeah. and, and how God That's is a, such a great control. image. Yeah. So they see these images, those right. moments, those experiences become anchors to the message. Okay. People go, oh, I remember that message when you had, you know, Angie on stage and she right. did some pottery. Sometimes it's a visual thing like that. Sometimes they may be, uh, I literally create a moment of silence in the yeah. service or people write something down or I have them read something out loud or I might tell a story, a particular story in a certain way. So yeah. I always try to look for different ways. It is interesting to think having some kind of a, whether a prop yes. or something like that, but you have to love the kind of the tradition of the, of the old time preacher where it's just this, it's just their words. Yes. And, and I do those too. I yeah. don't, I don't always, I, I very actually rarely have props. Okay. Most of the time I don't. But those are member, those certainly are memorable, yes. but it is, the, it is this, wonderful craft of creating a moment yes. simply by either changing tone or changing yes. Yes. Um, your cadence or just the, the general texture of what you're saying yes. and bringing it home. Right. It seems like a real craft. And I'm not good at it. I'm working on it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an area I want to get better at. Right, yes. right. How do you feel like you're, you get better in terms of your own? sounds like you've, you've been really intentional about getting the resources you need, mm -hmm. whether that's Logos or whether that is a coach mm -hmm. um, or leaning on, um, you know, your mentors yes. in, from Peru. Yes. Um, or um, just thinking creatively. Like, how do you feel like you get better? better at the craft and what resources have been best for that well having a coach super helpful having someone that you trust that can speak into it mm -hmm. and that's kind of investing time in your development I, I know that's not really practical for everybody but right. but having a good debriefer a person who's who's going to give you honest feedback both in the positive and the negative mm -hmm. uh, is so important yeah so i would say that's huge for me and she often is the one that tells me where I'm getting better. Okay. I'm so critical. There's a part of me that always thinks, well, shouldn't I be better? I'm, I've been doing this for six years, and I should be much better now yeah. at this point. Right. So it's hard for me to appreciate my journey. Yeah. Unless I go back and listen to an old sermon, and then that's kind of slaps me in the face. But <laughs> <laughs> Right. But yeah. Where it's just your own. You're just you in a room with, with earbuds, and you're listening to yourself yeah. say, um, and... Oh, yes. And uh, yes, yes. like for me, when I listen to this podcast, I have my laugh. I wheeze at the beginning of my laugh and I'm like, I hate it. But it's me. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Right. You right. know, it's yes. like, you know, you're going to have to listen to it if you. <laughs> there it is. again. Yeah. When people go, I listen to your sermons, I go, oh, so uh, sorry. I'm so sorry. 
<laughs> you like, know, I want you to hear what I'm saying, right. but don't hear me. Right. But yes. God, isn't it humbling yeah. that God chooses to use us? Yeah. To, I mean, it's just, I'm always at awe of that. I think, God, you could have chosen anyone. Yeah. And it's like, the fact that you chose me blows my mind. I always say, if God can speak to a mule, yeah. he, obviously, then I'm willing to do it. Because, because he's not concerned about the vessel, although it's important right. to him. I, I right. don't mean that. But he, he makes up the gap. It is fascinating yeah. to think about all the things that have to come together. Yes. For you or I to stand up in front of a group of people and us be ready to give something and then be ready to receive that. You yeah. think about all the things that have to take place in order for that to happen. It is a, it is a act of grace True. that it happens anywhere. Yes. So many little parts that go into it. Right. So wh- how did you end up here at Mariners? What were those kind of those little acts of grace oh, that yeah. landed you here and then landed you in the chapel? So I, my husband and I came here on October 20th, 2002 at 10.15 a.m. We walked into the old sanctuary building. Our lives were a mess. Mm. And we walked into the space, and Kenton was teaching that Sunday. He taught on John chapter 4. The woman at the well who had been divorced multiple times was living with a man who was not her husband. Mm. And that was me. Mm. And that's when we realized I, I was not a believer I, I had, again, was a terrible Catholic, but I held on to that title. And I came to Mariner's Church, and I was immediately drawn to that message mm. and this church. And so we, we were pretty much damaged goods as far as we were concerned, but we felt like the church was where we needed to be to be healed and to start over. And we, we went on the journey. Mm. What surprises me is that I'm teaching today. That is a picture of God's huh. amazing, reckless, unbelievable grace. Mm. I never saw that. I would have never said, that's why I'm going whatsoever. Mm. And so the journey has been, uh, you know, an interesting journey of all these years uh, as God has said, okay, do this now. Now do this. The first thing I did here at Mariner's Church was clean windowsills in the children's building. And then I did other things, and I just got involved in leadership opportunities, got to meet people, Mm. and uh, decided I felt called by God to teach. Never thought I would teach at a church. I didn't even know where I was going to teach. I just knew he was calling me to teach God's word. Two years after I became a believer, I thought, how can I do that? I don't even know the Bible. So I started taking Bible classes here at Mariner's Church. Okay. Not through the women's ministry and such, but they study like one book a year, Mm -hmm. 66 books. You know what I'm saying? I was in my 40s. I was never going to make it. So I started to complain (laughs) to someone. They say, well, why don't you go to seminary? And that's how I ended up at Fuller. Okay. And you ended up at Fuller. Mm -hmm. And how long did it take you to do the MDiv? Six years. Six years. Yes. Yeah. That's, it sounds like that's probably on average about, yeah. I mean, it's so many people are professionals that are working full time and trying to, or in ministry, trying to do these degrees. And so it says, you know, if you do it full time, you could do it in what, three years or four years or something like that. And I have a friend who did that. She's amazing. Rock star. Right. I couldn't do that. I took one or two classes at a time, but you Mm -hmm. know, this is my thought. Six years is going to happen no matter what. Yeah. At the end of the six years, I will have this ended. Now, I wasn't going for the degree. I was going for what I was learning. Right. So every quarter, I was thrilled. I was learning about the Bible a lot faster than at a Bible study. You know, so I needed that. I wanted to get to it quick. Now, I didn't know where I was going with it. I just had the sense I needed to get to it quick. Right. And about halfway into it is when I got invited to teach. Okay. And I honestly thought, well, they were really desperate. They didn't have a teacher, so and they know I'm going to seminary. So I was like, I, I was in the mode of say yes. If it's related to teaching, say yes. So right. I said yes. Mm-hmm. And I did teach, and I got through it. And I thought, they'll never ask me again. That's the end of that. But they did. They said, wait, would you come next month? Would you do it again next month? I said, okay. And then it, would you do it once a month? Oh, okay. And then later, when I graduated, uh, Kenton said, okay, you're teaching twice a month. He didn't even ask me. He told me. He just gave you the You're teaching twice a month in the chapel. Yes, that's what you're doing. Okay. And then uh, a couple years later, he asked me to, they asked me to be the pastor. What a great, what a great story. It's just God's story. Which 100% would ma- God's which story. Which makes you look differently at the people cleaning windowsills in the Isn't children's that the ministry. Truth? Or even the broken person who walks through the door, you mm. think, oh, God can't redeem that. Oh, I my story it. is an amazing story of God's redemption. I love it. Against yeah. all conventional wisdom, yes. God puts mm-hmm. people in places that we would have never imagined. Yes, I'm proof of that. So great, Inez. Yes, I just you. I love what you're doing here. Thank you. Let me a couple more questions. One, um, I mean that 
that story is fan, is fantastic. And mm-hmm. as you think about, you fast forward now, now you're in your study, eating gummy bears and oh. drinking root beer. Yes. Um, and yes. plantain chips. Yes, plantain chips. Don't forget the sauce. <laughs> Balanced meal, a balanced meal. A balanced meal. What are the, what are some of the things that um, you really look forward to when you're when you sit down? You come out of the teaching team meeting. You know what your passage is, and you're like, oh, "I'm really looking forward to something." And then, what are the things? What's something that maybe you're like, eh, "If I don't have to do that ever again," when when it comes to teaching prep, or what are the things you procrastinate on? The things you just don't like to do. So what are what are kind of the things that really give you life in your preparation and the things that eh, kind of demotivate? Yeah. So to me, when you're preaching, you're facilitating an encounter between God and his people. Mm. And that is amazing to Mm. me because and it's such a humbling, honoring experience to get to do that. And so to, when I'm writing a sermon and I feel already the Holy Spirit in the middle of my sermon, I'm like, my heart's elated or I'm crying. I'm literally typing and crying because mm. it's moving me. I just think uh, that's just so amazing to experience God's presence, even in the preparation. And of course, then when I'm preaching absolutely, and see God, people experience God and hear God's voice. And people come up to me after and they go, oh, that was a great sermon. I say, what did you hear God say? Mm. It, of course, they like, I didn't expect that question. Hmm. And then they tell me what they heard God say yeah. to them. What did God say to you? How did you experience God today? That's my number yeah. one, why I do this, why I'll do it until uh, I can't breathe anymore. When was the last time when you were preparing that you felt that emotional in, that you were writing and you were just like, crying? the tears were coming down? Well, last week. Yeah. Yes. I was I taught on Thursday and I was talking about truth and the importance of truth. And it's so connected with my own personal story mm. that, I mean, I just burst into tears in the middle of writing the message. And I just had to stop and just just, just remembering God's grace mm. and how powerful God has worked in my own life and how important truth is to me. Uh, his truth, his grace together, not separate, but together, that overwhelmed even me. Oh. Uh, as I was writing it. And, and, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean the sermon is going to be great. Right. I, I don't want to make it sound like that. Well, it like means that. that you met God in the I, process. Yes, yes. Right? But yes. <laughs> there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. Because, it, with, yeah, yeah, we all know that when we have these experiences with God, it sounds great coming from God's mouth, but we it loses its, Something its weight. Something happens. <laughs> yeah. I usually am so excited about my sermon until Saturday morning. Saturday morning comes the dread. <laughs> And then it's like, this is a terrible sermon. I'm going to blow it. So I go through that process. And when that answers your second question. Yeah, what is the... Saturdays. So Saturdays. Saturdays. The, that's your... That's oh, the, Saturdays. I, I used to not... I used to write all my sermons on Saturdays. I tried not to. I decided I want to have a regular Saturday and do laundry or do something else. Right. But the problem is if I start earlier... I still work on it on Saturdays. Okay. Saturdays are like, I can't help it. Even if I have a completely written sermon, I tinker it. I keep working mm. on it. So I decided, all right, I'll have Monday and Tuesday of a regular day of the week. Yeah. Let Saturday be work day because it's the only way I can make Saturday work. Okay. Um, but Saturdays are very hard. Hmm. I feel like I'm working on at the La Brea Tar Pits trying to rescue some sort of dinosaur. Is that fair? Just to give you a picture? Sure. That's it. That's what I dread the most, trying to get that dinosaur out of the depart- the tar huh. pits. It Are you just, is it just a matter of second guessing, or is it a matter of anxiety that you're going to have to stand up in front of people? Oh, no, I don't have that. It's more, that. it's more, I want to get the message clear. Yeah. I, I struggle with so many ideas, and, and just sometimes I have a sense for what I want to say, but I can't find the words for it. You know you know what you want, but you can't, can't get, get to, to it. it. Or I have so many ideas I, I, I get my head gets so muddy with all these different thoughts right. and so much information. I'm not I'm not really clear on what okay. I'm trying to say. So getting through that muck, that's why it feels like La Brea Tar Pits. Is, yeah. Is there something there that I'm trying to rescue and pull out with clarity? Yeah. And it feels like a massive amount of work. Hmm. And that I never look forward to. And while I'm at it, if you ask me, do you ever want to preach again? And I want to say, no, I want to get through tomorrow and right. I quit. But <laughs> thankfully, the Lord gives me like right. renewed sense of a minute I start preaching, I'm, I'm done with that feeling. Yeah. It, it, that feeling goes all the way until I start preaching. Right. Yeah. No, there's, I, 
Kelly will oftentimes ask, how's the sermon going? Oh, no, bad question. And I said, well, it's horrible. It's horrible until it's done. Yes. And it's not done. It may not be great either. (laughs) (laughs) Even after that. But again, that's my one. Right. Yeah. No, that's, I think that that is something that the study is invigorating. The meeting God in the study is invigorating. Even thinking about. Editing is the heart. It's editing. It's figuring out what, what do I need to say? And how do I get that down into notes so that I can reproduce that correct in front of other people i know what i want yes. and i know what god's saying but how do i get this there yes yeah i yes. i i completely agree and i have about three word documents open that's all the time oh, really so i have my main document that i'm going to actually take print and and right. use i have a document of ideas okay it's usually 40 pages long yeah by the time I'm, it's all my notes and ideas and i highlight and do right. stuff to it and then i have my my temporary trash bag so i have a blank word document that i use <laughs> while i'm while i'm working on the actual sermon notes and right. go i don't know that this is going to be usable but right. i don't want to throw it away yet so i put it in my temporary trash bag okay and then work the sermon it's and then like i go purga- back it's like purgatory for your ideas oh i like that that's good that's I, a very know, good catholic term i'm gonna use that <laughs> it's funny because some writers will talk about you got to kill your darlings. Yes. And I am, I am I hold so on to them for afraid a little bit. to push delete. I'm yes. so afraid. I'm like, I worked it hard sounded that so good. <laughs> it sounded so good. And it, so you, to have another document open yeah. where you can kind of leave in limbo these yes. these great ideas that probably will never make it into the sermon. That's or right. Probably ought not make it into right. the sermon. And I do delete those after I'm done with the sermon. Okay. Oh, that's once in a while though. I might go. That was well written. It's not for this sermon. Right but it's good for another that's sermon. A great, that's a great idea. So I, I will say something on the name of the document. I yeah. have a place in my computer where I save all my, right. well, my new my new word for yeah. them now. You know? <laughs> my purgatory you know it, documents. It has, it's so interesting. I mean, we have, I think we have some similarities in the way we work because I will, I'll put a passage together and I'll just do the passage and then I'll put it in its, in its Hebrew or Greek and then I'll translate it and put all my thoughts kind of verse by verse and that's one document, but that's not the sermon. Right, right. The whole there's a whole nother document that needs to be produced that is that's sleek and yes. lean and and great for notes. Yes. Um, but that's not the kind of the um, the brainstorming yes. of these. I have a brainstorming document. Right. Those are all my notes. I right. collect from commentaries from I'll go look up sermons that someone else has written. I, I do blog posts. I something I'll say, for example, I'm talking about a topic. I'll look up some blog posts and copy yeah. and paste things and, and I go, my commentaries I do all that stuff that's my brainstorming yeah and then I have my I wrote that really well but maybe that's not for the sermon <laughs> I, lo- I love that you just don't want to get rid of yeah. I feel that I yeah. feel your pain okay, on that that's so great um, last question everyone who is doing this work of being a teaching pastor um, is either in the process of finding their voice mm-hmm. or has found their voice um, or is trying to help other people find their voice. Um, where do you feel like, was there a point where you felt like I figured out what my voice is? I know what it is. Mm. I know what Inez says. I know that doesn't like, if you're like, I, that doesn't sound like something I would say, or when, what were some of the things along the way of you finding your voice when or where, or how did that happen? Or is that in the process of happening? I'd say that's still in the process. I'm in a, different place obviously than when I started yeah. uh, but that's still in the process yeah um, for me again I was so focused on content that my voice was irrelevant <laughs> I was mm. just trying to get through the sermon and hopefully nobody threw a tomato at me <laughs> which would be strange <laughs> yes. although the farmer's market is on <laughs> Saturdays well, it's there you go. it could happen okay maybe they throw a piece <laughs> of communion or something <laughs> but um, the the journey has been to find my voice and to, to find my message, I, I am finding as I listen to other people's messages, which, by the way, I'm a serial sermon listener. Okay. I, I have more. People say, who do you listen to? Just about everybody. Mm. I have so many people on my phone, and I just bounce around and listen to different. I listen to Sermon uh, Central and some of these Baptist church in the middle of nowhere. You know, I, I listen to everything. <clears throat> and because I do hear how I'm different than others by uh-huh. hearing others. Yeah. Uh, so that helps me. Hearing others, I go, oh, yeah, I don't talk like that. Hmm. That's not me. And that has, helps me see more of like, who I am. 
the other thing is I'm also learning to hear myself when I'm not preaching. I never thought of that, but someone suggested that. Listen to how you talk when you're not preaching. Hmm. And then I hear the real Ines. Okay. Something happens. This happened to you. You get up on stage. and By the way, even like when you gave me this microphone, I already could hear myself changing the way I was talking to you. We were having this conversation, and then boom, you put a microphone right. in my hand. I sound different. And so that happens on stage too. And yeah. so learning to hear myself when I'm just naturally speaking. Yeah. And letting that Ines be the person. But the other is learning what Ines stands for. Because mm. I find that a lot of pastors, you listen to enough of their messages, and you know the thing that they care the most about. Because oh. it keeps leaking in on every sermon. Yeah. So, for example, our senior pastor, Kenton Beecher, his, his thing that he's always sort of throwing in is how much he wants us to love our Bibles. Hmm. And so a lot of you'll see that leaking in on his sermons, how hmm. much how much you love your Bible. So we used to have Mike Erie here. Mike Erie was very much about the kingdom now. Mm. You know, it, the kingdom is here now. And so, man, that showed up in every one of his sermons. Yeah. So I'm trying to find what's the thing that mm. shows up in every single one of my sermons. Yeah. Because even if I don't say it, it's like in my voice and in my heart. Mm. And I want to kind of discover yeah. what that is. So I'm still yeah. trying to discover both. That's great. But our senior pastor once stopped me and said, hey, you know, where's your Puerto Rican voice? Where's the Puerto Rican Ines when you preach? There's that funny kind of lively person. And, you know, I'm not that huh. kind of uh, extroverted Puerto Rican person. Some people think all Puerto Ricans are really loud and obnoxious, and I can be, but that's not my personality. Mm. But what he was saying is there's a side of you that I'm not seeing, that I've seen when you're just in mm. general conversations. Yeah. So I've been paying attention to that. Where does my personality come through? Yeah. Um, so I'm still in the process. Yeah. No, I just was talking yeah. with, I think Eric Tonis was the one on the podcast, and he just said, um, look, just talk to us. Just right. talk to us. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, by the way, I don't I don't hand anyone the microphone unless I think they can handle it. I think and it's, it's funny because <laughs> I, I'll have point. some guests where I'm like, I don't want them thinking about the microphone, so I'll just put the lapel on them because okay. I don't they want forget. I don't want them to go into pastor mode. Yes. I want I just want to have a conversation. Yeah. And so I think that so yeah, adjusting to that, you're yeah. just learning how to like forget it somehow. Right. While at the same time, knowing that you're, you're not just talking to the person in front of yeah. you. And that's what happens when you're teaching yeah. is you're you're not talking to just one person. Right. You are talking to a lot of people. Right. But you also want each person to feel like you're talking to them. Absolutely. Man, what a trick. Right. And the conversational style, I think, is what allows individuals to feel like you talk to me. Yeah. Uh, and and that, that sense of like, yeah, if I were just you and I in a coffee shop, that's exactly how you talk to me. I want to get to that voice. Mm, yeah. I'm still working on that. That's good. And sometimes just getting off script is the way to do it. And, that's true. And um, canning the notes and just kind of speaking, you know, um, off the cuff sometimes. Mm -hmm. But you, then the danger of yes, what's going to happen Yes, that took me then. so long yeah. to get off my notes. I now type my notes mm -hmm. so that the material is in my head. Yeah. And they're there so that I look to make sure. Sometimes I write something and go, dang, that sounds good. I want to say it exactly <laughs> like that. So I'll read it. Yeah. But most of the time, I, the notes are simply to keep me on task. Okay. So I don't get, you know, forget a point or, or get, the sermon gets too long or I miss to say something important. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Great stuff. Ines, thank you so much for My making pleasure. time. It has been, it's just wonderful to hear about your ministry in thank the you. chapel. Such a unique great niche ministry yes. in a larger setting yes. that I think just has a lot of resonance with um, with a lot of people coming from different traditions yes. to find Jesus and to find the work of the Spirit in their lives. So thanks so much for what you're doing. Thank you and for having me. And thanks for being me. on the podcast. Thank you. What a great conversation with Inez. Um, if you enjoyed that conversation or you would like to hear some of Inez's messages, um, you can find a link in the show notes or if you'd like to find out more about the chapel experience at Mariner's Church, there's also a link for that as well. Um, there's also some other links to uh, things that we talked about on the podcast, uh, Logos Bible Software, Accordance Bible Software. Uh, Inez uh, went through an MDiv program at Fuller Theological Seminary, and there's a link in there for that. There's also a link for plantain chips at Trader Joe's, if you're curious about what plantain chips are um, and uh, Inez's muse for creativity. Um, we'd love it if you would rate and review the podcast. 
um, on iTunes. It helps bring the profile up. We would also love it if you would share the podcast. If there is somebody that you know that is either um, a pastor or a seminary student, or maybe you're starting seminary this fall, and you're just wondering how this all works out and what practitioners look like when they go through the process of going from passage to message. You can find it here. So share the podcast with someone else that you know. There's no other—we have no other way of getting the word out except for our faithful listeners sharing this with people that they think would be helped by it. So you could also visit our Patreon page and become a patron of the podcast. That's at patreon.com backslash the teaching pastor. Thanks for downloading this episode of The Teaching Pastor, and we'll see you next time on The Teaching Pastor Podcast. I want to hear the good Lord say.